This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. All right, big, big news, and it's your household. It's not the Rennie household. It's not the Brady Bradley household. <laughs> big news for, uh, you, got a, you got a sports champion in your house just we based do. on the last 48 hours. Yes, my daughter's hockey team are the champions of their league. They, after a very, in my opinion, a very long season of early early Saturday and Sunday mornings, uh, they won their championship over the weekend, and they are the number one team in the league. And you know what? I, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we'll be at tournaments, and I'm, she's not listening right now. So secretly, I'm hoping that they kind of lose so we can go home. Okay, I'm We've made contact with her teacher to send her the recording <laughs> a little later on in the daytime. But, I mean, they win every time. They're undefeated. The entire season, they've been undefeated. How old? Uh, nine years old, so under what, eleven. What's under the big 11. strength? Goal, goaltending, goal scoring. Do they just outscore the teams? What do they do? Okay, what makes them? good? You never watched? Um, uh, oh my God, the Will Smith show. What's the Will Smith show? Uh, the Professional Prince of Bel Air. Okay, there was he was on the team, and the coach would always say this was their thing: pass it to Will, pass it to Will. Guys, whatever you do, pass it to Will. <laughs> so on her team, it's pass it to Amelia. <laughs> oh, okay, Amelia's There's, the superstar. Amelia is ten years old. She looks like she's fifteen. She's honestly like they're she she scores about two to three goals a game. They're all amazing girls. They're all hardworking. They're all really really good. But I, I think Amelia's the glue. Of the has team. the other team asked to see ID at any point? Uh, I the wanted games. to see ID at one point. I was like, Why is she driving to she the games herself? Ten years old. <laughs> Why is that happening? <laughs> it's like that coach in the states who stepped in to play for her team. <laughs> no, no, they're awesome girls. They deserve mm. it. Good for them. Here's so. uh, we, we now you probably don't know this, but we uh, we called the arena and we have audio <laughs> from uh, this is the in-house arena. Mm. I think he's going a little over the top, yeah. but whatever. Here it is. That doesn't even seem like, hey, that's not your wow. line. That was our crowd. That's how loud we that's were. That's right. A lot of people there. But yes. that, doesn't, that implies that the miracle was like they were lucky or something. We or, were cheering. Uh, totally, that's not true. They just sounded like the best, the most talented, most hardworking team all we year were, long. I'm telling you, we were cheering like crazy. And then what I was excited about, on, I'm very happy they won. She's worked hard all season, yeah. my daughter. But I'm like, okay, we can sleep in now until the fall. But no, what happens after? Can I join a spring league? Can I join a summer league? So it's just never going to end. This is my life now. And... I have to succumb to it. I, uh, but the, yeah, I, I but do, if someone were um, an option to pick to pick her up on a regular basis, would you would you sleep in? Like, are you getting to? Because you get to trust me, you get sports at fifteen or sixteen, and you'd be like, can't go. It's just another game. It's just another moment because there's thirty of them during the summer. Ugh. Like there there might be if, if or do you insist on you want to see every damn game? No, it's just you know getting what, that's there her dad. Her dad is there for every wow. single moment. But we've got the other three, so I'm sometimes I have to drop them off here. Their own sports, their whatever it is. But um, it is I'm there for the games. Every game I'm there for practices, I cannot be bothered. Well, later in the week, we got to talk about the, you know, in Brampton, the International Ice Hockey Federation, the Women's Worlds starts in Brampton, only in Brampton. Like all the games are, it's not like they're taking the final between Canada and the USA to, uh, you know, to the Scotiabank Arena or something. Every game's in Brampton and the demand for Canada, USA, I think played next week. And then the final is the a week from Sunday. But the demand now you can I can probably get you tickets to a France uh, Hungary game. 
Like that's I can't get Canada USA. I don't have that kind of connect. But France, Hungary, you could go well, who see. Does? Or something like that. Who does? Who, who would have that connection? Yeah, give me their number. You want to see Japan play uh, Germany? I think we can arrange that. But let me let me call John Oakley. Maybe the Canada USA <laughs> games are a different story. Uh, Six twenty eight. Let's get inside the newsroom. See what Dave Bradley has. How about that? Like we need more sports championships among the Toronto Today family. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Can we count on one from your household anytime no, soon? No, not oh. at all. No. <laughs> Okay. All right. I mean, I've got a youngest son that's been on one leg for seven months, so don't look at me. All right. And the other one just lifts weights. Maybe my, he uh, could have a win a weightlifting title or something. My my ten year old is uh, is going to enter the delightful world of competitive go kart racing. That's this year. what we're talking so, about. Yeah, following this, in dad's footsteps. He's an excellent excited. driver, like yeah. like Dustin Hoffman. So he'll be on track I, May sixteenth for the first time. Solid. Yeah. You got to bring video back of that. I think I will. Yeah. Yeah. Hook that Post into the to old, our Instagram. Yeah, the old 640 Instagram. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Very pleased to have our next guest on. Uh, he's always been, um, you know, an interesting chat. He ran for mayor back in 2010 when he was in his early 30s. We all were younger then, um, but he's in again. And after uh, after a great race in the 22 fall uh, city council election in Ward 10, Spadina, Fort York. He's joining us now in Toronto today. He is Rocco Achimpong. It is great to have you on. Thanks very much for making the time. Thank you, Greg. Always a delight to be with you. Hope you don't ma- mind me mentioning how uh, how young and, and vibrant. I'm sure you're just as young and vibrant as you were in your mind in 2023 <laughs> as 2010. We all are, right? At this age, though, I think they start using words like sprightly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like anything uh, in our uh, in our city or our political world has taken a toll on us over the last seven or eight years. It's uh, I'm sure we're all as idealistic. I- I'm glad you're doing this. Were you close to not doing this over the last few weeks? That was my decision. I, I didn't want to be a part of this. I, I think after we still have a, a bit of an election hangover from uh, 2022, most of us had psychologically moved on, getting ready for a John Tory term for, for four years. And here we are thrust into having to make decisions to come back and, uh, and join the fray. Well, here's what my observation of Ward 10. You finished third in, in the um, in the riding. Os- Osma Malik won. April Engelberg was in second. But I've said this and I said it publicly and I sure said it around the office. I think this this is a war that needed more than one candidate. I looked at all three of you. I talked to all three of you, and I said, any, any city council is better with any of the three of you on it. How did you view your experience in that particular race? Well, I have to say, uh, for quite a lot more than just Osma and uh, April, whom I was speaking with yesterday about doing that, mm-hmm. um, we had a lot of we had a lot of good candidates running. Uh, you know, only one person has to win at the end of the day. Um, but we are a city with quite a lot of resource and human capital, and I think uh, uh, we're all the better for it. So this is seen by many as a, as a do-over. I'm sure you were like me and most of our listeners that the, the Friday night John Tory announces his resignation and the reasons why. We're all in a bit of a state of shock. What's the opportunity here, do you think, for Toronto uh, over the next three and a half years to, um, to, to, to sort of get a, a reset and a fresh start? Well, Greg, I think it gives us an opportunity for renewal and renaissance. Let's be let's be candid. Democracy is always an ongoing uh, conversation. It doesn't just end at the ballot box. Uh, as a citizen, we participate every day in our you know in our local neighborhoods and uh, hopefully in our city and and lend our voice to the issues of the day. Um, but it gives us a chance to make critical decisions on important file areas that I think we've been lagging on. 
I think we need a thousand new police officers. The security posture of our city is uh, something that's very frightening to me. And we're seeing exactly what happens when we don't take that seriously on the streets and on transit. Yeah, I wondered about that. There's been so many issues that just seem amplified since October. And, and you would have had to done, do the bulk of your campaigning, Rocco, in, in August and September. Is right. that sort of jigsaw puzzle of safety, law enforcement, funding, transit, it, it all, it, it's like if you don't get them all right, at least to some extent, none of them are going to work properly. Well, Greg, we have less police officers than we, uh, we, uh, today than we did in 2003 and in 2004 and 2005, the summer of the gun year. So if we're really serious about a security posture, we have to get really serious about how we're going to approach that. I also want to have CCTV spitted out through all of transit and CCTV fitted out through the downtown entertainment hub core and have to get creative about revenue generation. We need to make a lot of money uh, without resorting to, uh, you know, taking more money out of the taxpayer's pocket. I do think we have to revisit the conversation on tolls on the Gardner and uh, the DVP. We have to think about a congestion fee and we have to think about uh, increasing the hotel tax just to uh, generate more revenue for the city. You've traveled a lot, too. I, I honestly think we were talking about some of your, your European travels, and, and you're echoing a lot of what London ends up getting right, uh, at, at least in terms of people who, A, they have a congestion charge, B, there's right. there's closed-circuit television everywhere, and um, whether it serves as a deterrent to crimes themselves, I don't know, but they're sure able to catch the criminals very swiftly, very quickly, so that people feel mm-hmm. safe. It has some deterrent effect, but I've also been to Stockholm, I've been to Vienna, I've been to Rome all in the past month and a half, and we are just so far behind in what we should be doing as a city. We are an up-and-coming city. We like to call ourselves a great city. We're not there yet, um, but we need to start making decisions that gets us there and not be squeamish about what needs to be done. We're talking to Rocco Achimpong. He's going to run for mayor, uh, putting his paperwork in. It's a big day. It's the first day to do that. May 12th is the deadline. June 26th is the election. Um, the, your idea about the DVP and the Gardner has been echoed by some, but don't we need the province to play ball here? Whether They just seem adamant that they will not, you know, they will not allow things that you're right. All Ontarians end up benefiting from. They won't allow, you know, Ontario to, to foot the bill for some of this. How do we convince them? Well, I mean, we're going to need the province on a lot of fall areas, not only with respect to tolling, which I suspect, which I have, um, uh, I'm reasonably assured will be something that uh, uh, will be provincially granted in the future to come. Um, but also uh, based on just the aesthetic of our neighborhoods. I don't want to see a cannabis store every two every two stores down on Queen Street, on King Street, and, and all these neighborhoods. But we need provincial permission to be able to uh, rezone or zone accordingly where we want these stores to be. I don't want to be walking down uh, the streets of Toronto just smelling nothing but marijuana. That is not the flavor of our city. And I just think uh, some of these little decisions um, are, are the ones that we're going to have to work with the province on. Do we? I've asked a lot of candidates this last week. Do we have a a, a, a big NIMBY problem, and and how do we? Do we have a big knot in my backyard as opposed to sure you got to? And and by the way, that's on all sides of the political spectrum. That's conservatives. That's progressives. It just feels like when the people in their in their ward and the people in their riding say, ah, come on, you know that that's that that's going to cause too much density in our neighborhood. They all say, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Do we have that kind of problem here? We have one hundred thousand people expected at a very minimum 
every year to, to immigrate to Toronto. We have a catalog, a housing uh, catalog of roughly 280,000 that we're adding in the next decade. On average, about 28,000 homes a year. I, NIMBYism is going to be a problem for the person that's NIMBYist, but the city has to move forward and build. And uh, I like the conversations that we've had on that file so far, and we're moving it forward, but NIMBYism is not going to have a say. We talked about homes. Um, what about homelessness? Homelessness, again, tied to a lot of other things, isn't it, Rocco? It's tied to potentially safe injection sites, open drug use. I, I understand the purpose of them, but we're, we may be saving lives in the short term by allowing safe injection of drugs. We're not giving people incentives to stop using those hard drugs. How do you view it? We should be disincentivizing them. We certainly should not be facilitating drug use. Whether or not we call it a safe injection site, whether or not we think it's a compassionate approach, we should discourage use in total. We spend a lot of money on homeless shelters. I mean, we've expended millions and millions and millions of dollars trying to get the problem, solve the problem. I am heartened by what the city has been doing and increased capacity in shelters and making more room available. It is going to be a problem in the future to come and somebody's got to be ready to deal with it your passion again i mentioned you ran in 2010 and and and, you, and council last year and and in 2018 um y- your passion is is remarkable for the city what what keeps it alive what why do you love it so much i'm from this is my hometown this is my home i mean this is this is what made raised and gave me everything i have all the advantage in the world and i want to protect that Rocco, I hope we have lots of conversations uh, leading up to the uh, the end of June. Thanks so much. I think there's people really excited by uh, by your uh, stepping into the fray once again, and I think you're going to be an important voice over the next three months. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you so much. Rock, Rocco Achimpong, uh, he's a lawyer, ran in 2010, uh, the year Rob Ford was first elected, not the 2014 campaign when Rob Ford beat George Smitherman, uh, and gave it a great go in 2018. Again, Three excellent candidates in that riding. Um, I, you know, I wish one of April Engelberg or uh, Rocco had been in another riding and was sitting on city council right now because um, uh, he's very direct uh, with his ideas. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Uh, I love this comment uh, from our next guest. Uh, someone asked him if he'd use uh, on Twitter. Someone asked him if he would use the strong mayor powers. And he wrote, um, I will not be mayor. That is my strength. Touche. Gord Perks uh, joins us now, Ward 4 City Councilor. That's a that's a snappy line. That's a snappy well, line, isn't it? Well, you know, I'll listen to shows <laughs> like this. I pick a thing or two up, right? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't have come up with anything. Not this early in the morning. I would Maybe by 1030. <laughs> I wouldn't have come up with anything uh, that clever. Um, you guys, City Council had, uh, you men and women had some days uh, Thursday and Friday. I want to ask you about the virtual debate. We were talking about that earlier on the morning. I mean, this is really one I see both sides on. You voted to extend out the time that that counselors can appeal virtually um can some counselors but not all get more done if they're working from home uh you know what um there's some personal stuff for some members of council right now i don't want to get into sure, it but of course i mean coming to city hall isn't really practical um and you know actually at this meeting uh we had one member of council who had covid and and work remotely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know it's a mix, right? Like I, I we you do your job better when you're there at council. Um, you, you guys don't see it, but you know we move all these motions, right? 
And we're all sitting, sitting in corners arguing, no, no, not this way. You know, give it an extra six months. How mm-hmm. about, you know, you, you just can't do that by text. So there's value in, in having people there. But like I said, you know, we've got a couple of members who have very good reasons not to uh, come in right now. Yeah, it's an interesting because uh, I see that side of it. And but I was really pulled, if you will, um, by by Francis Nunziata saying we are public servants. We're telling people to come back downtown. We want private businesses to get people back in their offices at, at least a few days a week so they can support local businesses and certainly transit. And if, you know, 18 people are in square boxes and in, in their in their living rooms, they, they they won't take our messages seriously. So I see that. I, I really do see it. That's why the vote was so evenly split, because there's a, there's two sides to the issue. Yeah, no, it's not an easy one, um, but I think I think we, you know, we landed on the right thing. You know, there, mm. COVID is still out there. There are still people getting very, very sick. Um, let's for now uh, leave it with the mixed meeting. Encourage people to come in. I think there's a little bit of shaming for some people, right? Like there's some mm. members of council. It's like, dude, really? Why are you not here? You know? I hear and, that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, for now, I think peop- some people still need the option. Last week, um, Monday morning, you can imagine we're we're sad, we're devastated, and to be honest, we're, we're to me we're right we're right pissed off uh, uh, about what happened Saturday at Keel Station. We're we're devastated, and then we see this this brave, wonderful mother on TV who has a husband with her and a young son who doesn't have a brother anymore. And and again, our, our blood starts to, I think our city had a moment last week where yeah. a lot of us said enough. Do you feel that that was that moment? It was, uh, have you been listening to what she's saying? She talks a lot about the social services. She's not angry yeah. at the killer, the alleged killer, which it, it, it takes, it takes a lot of, I, a, I a lot of dignity to say that there. and not, and not feel vengeful. I'll say that. I don't know how, how how anyone gets there. It's mm-hmm. like she is she is just brave and strong, um, but she's also right. Here's you ask me, you know, is enough enough? And, and yes, it is. But here's the thing: the tools we need to solve this problem are not ones you, you flick on with a switch. I there's nothing. I wish I could promise you there's something. There's nothing I could do that stops it all tomorrow. And that's hard to say. Um, these are long, hard problems. It, we, our, something is really broken in Toronto that this keeps happening. Mm-hmm. And part of what, what is broken is you have something like ten or 15,000 people out there who day after day do not know where they're sleeping tonight. Yeah. And that creates a social risk. If you're someone, you know, you get chased out of our parks. You get chased off the TTC. You don't have anywhere to live. You, get, you know, you're not going to play by the rules. Can can I make the case? These are these are almost two games we have to win at once. One is that. One is exactly that. In the case of the 16 year old, we have a 22 year old with an unbelievably long rap sheet. So the issue yeah. for him isn't necessarily where do I sleep or no one's taking care of me? This is, this is somebody Newfoundland police were looking for him. He broke probation here in Ontario as well. He was in jail almost all of the summer. Like those are, I know you, I'm not telling you something you don't know. These are two different problems. We're trying to solve simultaneously, aren't we? 
Yeah, but about this, you know, I don't know the guy's whole story. I know bits and pieces. Um, what, what was he doing being homeless? How is the guy homeless? Like, you know, okay, if, if, some, if some judge sentenced him to a period of time and the period of time is over, how does he just get dumped on the sidewalk? We know he's a risk to himself. We know he's a risk to others. Like, and this is the problem. And, and we, we actually, some of us on council tried to get the federal and provincial governments to do something about this, uh, which is, you know, we actually need dedicated spaces for people when they're coming out of jail. We don't have that. Yeah. City of Toronto does not get any money from anybody. We don't write the criminal code. We don't run the justice system. We don't set the rules for probate. We don't do any of that. But when those systems fail, we're expected to find somewhere for that guy to sleep at night and to help that guy get an ID, get a job, get, you know, all of that stuff, get a psychiatrist. But, you know, literally, we don't have the money for that. So, you know, I I moved a motion asking that we get the federal government to pay for that. I don't know that we'll didn't go through this time, but I think we will be doing that in the near future. Gord Perks is our guest on Toronto Today. Um, so I mentioned that the day's nominations open today, May 12th, they close, June 26th um, is the election. Set it up for us. What kind of mayor does Toronto need in 2023? Job one is to tell people the truth about how bad the money is and what your plan is. If, you're not, if you don't have a plan for how you're going to pay for stuff, you're not serious. We... You know, we are not just running on fumes. What does Dalton McGinty used to say? We have less than no money. And uh, if you don't have a plan, a serious plan to deal with that, you're not telling the voters the truth. That's job one. What's job two? Job two, uh, I think that we got to get that public spirit back, get people believing in the city again, have a little bit of vision, you know? Basic stuff, basic stuff. Like, is the bus going to be on time? Uh, Is someone going to pick up the garbage in the park? All that, you know, basic stuff. And and just give a little bit of vision, a little bit of hope. But again, none of that stuff is real if you don't have a plan about the money. You've done this for long enough that you know this election matters. It feels like it matters. I don't want to say it matters more than October uh, because that mattered, but this just feels like it's got a white-hot intensity to it. You probably know that people in the 905 are watching this really, really closely. I think people from all of Ontario. Toronto matters to all of Ontario. How you, You probably see it through that lens. Sometimes we're really insular, but the success of Toronto, Toronto being able to stand on its own two feet, it should matter to everybody, shouldn't it? Yes, it should. I mean, here's just, you know, fun fact. Uh, some of the wards in the city of Toronto, the population during the day is three times what it is at night. Right. right. That's all because people are coming into work here. If uh, we're not running a transit system and you work downtown Toronto and live in 905, that impacts you. If we're not generating those jobs, that impacts you. We're not generating the tax money that's paying, you know, what is it? 92 cents out of every dollar in taxes paid in Toronto is paid to either the federal or provincial government. So, you know, I, I, I know people 
don't really like you to say Toronto's the economic engine and all of this stuff, but it is. Nah, when when we sneeze, everybody else catches cold is the way I would don't, describe don't it. Don't overstate it or they'll get mad. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's important. It's important, this election. And I think it's also just politically important. We have had mm. 12 years of a certain style of politics, right? Low taxes, uh, quote-unquote efficiencies, all that stuff. And it hasn't really worked. And I think there's a chance right now to talk about a different way of doing things. It's like that moment we had in 2003 when David Miller came out of nowhere, brought in his yeah. room, and brought in a period that I think a lot of people are quite proud of still. I, I got 45 seconds for you. How important is it to have a mayor who will advocate to the federal and provincial government. I'm going to say this about John Tory. It felt like he lamented that he had to do it. I want someone who wants to do it because it's their job to go and ask for what we need. How important is that? I, I think what I said job one is the money. That's part of the answer. Either the federal and provincial governments have to keep, you know, every year giving us some money or they got to change the structure mm-hmm. so that we have, say, for example, one cent of the sales tax. People forget this. The reason we have uh, employment insurance and the reason we have a federal housing program is because years and years and years ago, municipalities tried to do that stuff and they all went broke and they realized municipalities couldn't do it. So they changed the system. And I think we're at that kind of moment again. Yeah. And and I'll t- and you know this, every big city in the United States gets to do this. Chicago doesn't have to go begging to the state of Illinois or the federal government to make their own to make their own money back. And and sure, sure as heck, New York and L.A. don't either. I'm, I'm so stuck for time. I loved our chat. And uh, I hope we have lots of them leading up to June 26th. Thanks, Gord. Take care. Good talking to you. Gord Perks. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. All right. So here we go. There's action and then some at City Hall. Not that kind of action. There's action at City Hall and uh, nominations are being put in. People, I don't think anyone's scrambling to find 25 signatures. If you can't get 25 people to believe in you for anything, you're in big, big trouble. And and you need a proof of address. So there to do her show between 9 and noon. She also anchored our municipal election coverage back in October. And I just want to put this out there. Like, maybe I should keep this behind closed doors. But you're a 640 listener, so you deserve to know how the sausage gets made. I think she did such a phenomenal job hosting a municipal election. I wouldn't consider any other host on a on a summer night to host the mayoral election coverage. I would start at six. I'd go right through to 1 a.m. Get all. I don't think anybody else is worthy of that. Alex Pearson joins me right now. You're the person for this Good job in, on June 26th. We need because we want to be there listening. And that's it. That's it. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and I, I I barely remember that last election because it was so uninspiring, and uh, <laughs> and I'm like, what did we even talk about? This is gonna be a much different election, no question about it. I we, we were just inside uh, City Hall, you know, in that little rotunda where they start to register. Rob Davis is already there. They're starting to um, kind of enter in, and it'll certainly pick up in the next uh, few minutes. But it's it's gonna be a really much different race, and I think we finally can define it from the set. You know, we know who we're looking for. We know who's coming in. Um, and, and, and I hope, 
our listeners can certainly get an idea of the issues this time, because that was the problem with the last election is we didn't really get a defined issue. It was just kind of like it was John Tories, right? It just was John Tories. We're seeing several people clearly running now that didn't want to run against John Tory. So either yeah. their timeline accelerated or they didn't think they'd win and nobody wants a loss on their record to try and bounce back. But I don't you think based on that, Alex, we, we had a turnout of 29.2 percent. I think mm-hmm. we have to have a higher turnout than that, even though it's June, don't you? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I think I think people forget like there was a, a hangover still from the pandemic. People exhausted. It was a I, I can't I can't remember. It was a, a coolish kind of crappy day. Mm-hmm. Um, but but people had too much on their plate, too much on their mind. They were very distracted. It was very hard for for um, candidates to punch through noise through the noise. Here now we've got like a bunch of big names, right? We're going to probably have a huge list. Um, there's going to be the riffraff and kind of like the sideshow to this. You always get it. Um, but but the, I think there's going to be about 20 candidates who actually could be. You've got anybody from like Rob Davis. You've got a Mark Saunders. You've got a Mitzi Hunter. You've got an Olivia Chow. And then you've got people like Anthony Fury, who I think is someone really to watch in this. I'll certainly be watching him. And then you've got other candidates. Um, you know, it's a, a nice split. Brad Bradford. You've got all these other people running in. But the thing is, who knows who could win this? Because this, the vote is going to be so split that the person that you least expect could win, like Bodie McBoatface, could just kind of slide mm-hmm. up the middle and take it. Yeah, you make such a great point. We don't have rank balloting. If this is not like those political conventions we'd watch when we were teenagers yeah. where you throw your support behind somebody else and the whole oh, yeah. the whole narrative changes. So you just walk in, mark an X, and, and go. Do you have any concept of the percentage that you think is needed to win? I've heard is because no. it's so well, it's a it's a it's a well balanced field. I've heard people say somebody could win with 26, 27 percent of the electorate voting for them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we're going to get a better idea. I think I think the goal is, um, you know, to kind of start whittling down who really has the serious ideas, because otherwise you're just never going to figure out who is who in this thing. Um, unlike remember last we didn't have any debates. I think there's like one or two debates that even got uh, any attention. I, mm-hmm. I I think once we get into about a month and a half, two months, we're going to start to really see the, the list whittled down into who the real contenders are. Um, and, and so I hope it's not one of those things where we get, you know, the winner by barely a margin above the the next, because then you're going to have people just going, well, I didn't vote for this person. And you didn't really get a wide majority. Like there was no question John Tory won because he, he won like, what, 70 percent of the vote. That's not going to happen this time. I love what Chicago does. Chicago and a lot of major U.S. cities take the top two candidates and they run off over the next six weeks. And I just I think we'd have a clear, you know, dilution of ideas. But who would you knock out of this? We have so many. No, no, I don't know. I couldn't predict who the two would be. Exactly. I'd have a tough time picking the two. If you're going to vote on the left, like are you voting for Mitzi Hunter or or Olivia Chow? Assuming she is signing up. I mean, it's kind of been a a bit of an unknown. Or Josh Madlow. Or Josh Madlow. Again, Josh Madlow, I don't even see him. He was, everyone was talking about, well, he's the contender. He's the guy. But I'm like, really? Is he? I don't think he is. I don't don't necessarily think he is. And I don't know with all those other names in that he's got much of a chance. But if Chow... Here's what I'd say. If Chow doesn't go in, obviously she's a big X factor. She gets in and she dilutes that sort of left of center progressive vote. But, you know, we've all probably heard a lot of different stuff. I I heard Sunday there's more a shot. She's taking her time here. I heard Thursday, Friday. She's more looking at it going, I don't want to dilute the vote. And then maybe my time has gone past. You just like I don't know that she's a guarantee to get in. 
I, I don't know either because this is a very consequential election, right? We have some very big issues. They need to be solved and they need to be solved fast. And so I want someone who is clear and concise. I don't want any nonsense spin talking points. I want to know what you're going to do. When are you going to get it done and how are you going to get it done? Because it's one thing to come into City Hall. It's can you get your agenda done? And, and mm-hmm. you know, Mitzi Hunter's already said she's not going to have those strong mayoral powers. Okay. How are you going to get stuff done if you can't get stuff done? So, you know, there's a whole bunch of variables at play, but it is a consequential election. You know, we're looking at a billion-dollar budget hole. We've got crime every single day. I, You know, I was driving around the city a bit this week, and the city is just a mess. It is not a world-class city right now. It's, and, it's going to be hell on earth to drive in the next five years, no matter uh, who wins, no matter what happens, no matter what we do with yeah. transit. Like, we're like kinda... when Eglinton is all of a sudden better than downtown. Like, that's telling you something, right? Alex Pearson is our yeah. guest. Uh, she's live at City Hall between 9 and noon today, interviewing a lot of the major players, a lot of the major candidates. Let's just talk about that as as safety. Last week, we come in Monday, and I, I just think it was a heavy... People say, well, you know, you're... But but the show follows you, and I think it follows producers, and it follows hosts, and it follows our news anchors. Monday just felt so heavy based on the murder on Saturday, and I think it hung with us all week. But I do think it was a moment. Do you think safety, policing, transit has all moved? That sort of jigsaw puzzle of making that work. I think that's moved to the biggest issue on voters' minds. I really do. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. No question about it. Crime. I mean, if you can't if you can't live a- a comfortably in your own city, I'll, I'll I'll give you an anecdotal story. My husband and I took our little boy out for uh, his birthday dinner on Saturday. That's right. We went to Yorkville. Now Yorkville is a pretty nice area. I don't go out a lot, but we thought we'll we'll go to Yorkville. We took him for tapenaki, and <laughs> we went out to get parking. Now he had a little friend with him, and so. You know, we we're paying for parking and there was a, a, I don't know if it was homeless, but it was a person just in the parking area where we pay and just kind of looking at us and then just kind of started mumbling to themselves. And I thought, okay, well, I got two little kids. So I put the kids in the corner and just kind of, you go stand over there because I need it. David's got his back to, to this person. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to stand so I can see because that's the city we live in. Like, I'm not a paranoid person, but. No. You don't know what you don't know. And it's like you kind of have to look over your shoulder all the time. That is not how I want to live. I don't think anyone wants to live. And when that becomes the the way you live in a city like Toronto, where for the longest time you could walk at night or you could leave the door open or whatever, that's not this city. And I want to go back to that city. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to go back to that city. Yeah. And and I, I just think, well, is it being safe or feeling safe? I'm sorry. Feel, if feelings in this case matter, like mm-hmm, numbers sure. matter and demographics matter and all that stuff matters. But how you feel when you leave your home, that's going to dictate your entire day. That's going to dictate your level of safety. And by the way, for our listeners, your husband, I love that guy. I met him the only the one time. Um, he's got a he's built a bit like an Avenger. So, you know, it's not like you're <laughs> well, he's a rugby player. So he's not a small guy. Yeah, he's not but a, he's not a you, twig with arms and legs. He's no, a, he's but, a, he's a he's a he's a big guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when you when you start to just go out and even in the areas which you would least expect it to be, you know, questionable, when you're always questioning things, then yeah. then that's not living. And then you know, if you're you're not willing to take the transit, then you've got to pay for transit, or you have to get like a cab, or you're taking Uber, whatever. It impacts a lot of your life. Yeah. And all these people that want cars off the road, they say, yeah, I mean, like, uh, you're not going to get people are going to go right back to the vehicles like we did during COVID because we thought you're telling us that's safer. You're telling us not to be around other people. Then we'll drive. So get us back out of the car now. It's your job to convince us. 
Yeah, and the other thing I, is, and I, I don't want to take up all your time. Okay. Is like this is we're months away from getting this fixed, right? Like we're all kind of in a holding oh. pattern until like I'd say the fall. Like yeah. that's a long time, and this is going to get a lot worse between now and then. Yeah. It is. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. Insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Your run is over. If you like taking full loaves of bread to the park and throwing them at the swans, making sure they don't attack you, those are intimidating animals with the long necks. And I don't think people with long necks are intimidating, but I know swans are. Uh, are you in or out on feeding wildlife? And wildlife is a huge spectrum spectrum of creatures some are on the land some are in the water but the city of toronto says on public property and private property they're not allowing it anymore with the distinction you can have a bird feeder for uh quote-unquote songbirds i don't know what defines a songbird those blue jays are like jerks and they are not songbirds i don't know how this is going to work let's ask around the uh, panel here uh, around the around the show if you're in or out and we'll take text messages at 416 416- Eight seven zero sixty four hundred Shiba in or out on feeding animals. Okay, hold on. Before I answer this, I just want to specify that I understand why it's being banned. I get it because it can increase uh, tolerance for proximity, right? So there's more interaction with coyotes, with foxes, then they're conditioned to expect food from people, and mm-hmm. they get closer and closer to because they become more and more curious. There's raccoons and rats that can cause damage to property or infestations. So they they're trying to discourage all of this. Right, because there should be a line between human interaction and animal interaction. That being said, I'm in on feeding wildlife. <laughs> I love animals. One of my favorite memories is with my kids who were really young, taking them to the local park and feeding the, you know, breadcrumbs and bread to the to the birds, and it's just such a in the and the ducks. I love it. I I love the squirrels in our backyard. I love all of it. I just. I understand why it's mm-hmm. banned and why mm-hmm. it's discouraged, and you can get fined for this. Are they really going to come around and fine us? I'm in. Uh, Gord, uh, that was incredibly compelling. <laughs> yeah, I am yeah. sold on, I, I, not much I can add to what Sheba said. That was great. I what? was already in on feeding the wildlife. And again, it's what Sheba says. It's, it comes down to how well you have a relationship with your neighbors because they're the ones that are going to phone 311 and complain <laughs> on you, right? Because unless a city official is going to go on your private property into your backyard, it's and, all about and, neighbors ratting each yeah, other it out. Is. It's like, I'd like, love to hear those calls. I would listen to a half an hour straight. <laughs> Of people, of people ratting out yeah. other people for feeding animals in their own backyard. Well, exactly. It's just like the the portable fire pits that you can get at you know at the local hardware store that is against the law. But you know you're you can sell them, but you can't use them. Again, it's like a, for animals. No, no, not for animals. Just for your own oh, just, for your own <laughs> private use. But it's okay. against the law. Yeah. So it's yeah. I'm We're in. all anti I'm burning in. animals and again, in you know, your backyard. You know what brings the proximity of animals closer to us? Us expanding out into their their world. Mm. We sprawl. We sprawl out into uh, building on a green yeah. belt. Yeah, yeah the green belt. They're <laughs> gonna, now they're going to start okay. complaining about the foxes yeah. and the coyotes. Yeah. And if all the animals in the green belt had been able to vote in last June's election, <laughs> just think how right. different everything looks. That's right. I think how everything looks a little different now. It is in the star. So I, I, I'm, I'm in as well. I think it's Shiba. You brought up the the parenting thing. It's wonderful. There's nothing more picturesque than than a little uh, three, four year old boy or girl, and they're and they're throwing little breadcrumbs to 
to geese and and small little ducklings and the ducklings are like where'd this come from so there is that argument that it you know and animals become dependent on i guess what you'd call like an artificial food source i don't like seeing it at the zoo that makes me angry when people are feeding animals mm. at the zoo yeah Same. they're not supposed to that's different there's somebody that bought uh, marshmallows or something and there was a polar bear this might have even been an african lion safari and they're just throwing marshmallows nonstop at the polar bear. I'm like, A, he's going to get like a sugar high. I know he weighs like 900 pounds or whatever. Diabetic polar bear. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You got to, yeah. It's way too much sugar at once. And then animals don't fear. We want them to fear us. Like, I want a coyote to be afraid of me. I want a coyote or a fox to be afraid of me. And they should be. But they'll be, if they lose their fear, they'll be like, that's a human. I know what to do with them. That's bad. What is a fox going to attack you? Yet saw, you're still in. I saw a video. Of I'm a- still in because I think it's I think it's it's within reason. I think people will um, if people are throwing stakes over their their back fence to foxes. Oh wow! I think you rat your neighbor out. Then I don't think we're not going to get a lot of three one one or nine one one calls. <laughs> I'm picking that stake up myself. That's and a and my my natural fear of swans. Uh, something happened to me when I was four or five. I'm afraid of balloons, bagpipes, and swans. I told you guys about the balloons and bagpipes, I think. Yeah, maybe it was all. I don't enjoy balloons. But some kind of swan came at me when I was like four oh, or five. Goodness oh, yeah. came at Sheba, you. they are yeah. not, they're not nice. They're not nice to, to. If you get, well, if you go too close to their babies. Even you go to Boston and they have those swan rides. Like you can get on. I'm not getting on that oh, thing. Oh my goodness. I just don't even like the look of them. <laughs> um, so we're asking 416-870-6400 whether you're in or out on feeding wildlife. Here's the other thing is could I make the case that a big reason you're drawing people who put their garbage out or their recycling out even the night before are certainly drawing more animals to their 100%. to their neighborhood. Yeah. I don't do that. Like if I'm if I'm three minutes, four minutes late in the morning on a on a Tuesday recycle morning, I'd rather I'll take the bullet for that before I put the stuff out the night and then it's gonna be just sprawled all over the driveway. If what? you put garbage out, they're going into that garbage. Which you deserve, yeah. actually, yeah. doing it that the night before. For, right, right. What about people who leave their cats out all the time? Isn't that an attraction for coyotes? <laughs> wasn't the debate last summer? Wasn't the big de- Shiba? Wasn't the big debate last summer whether a cat needed a leash or not? Yes, in the yard, cats on leashes. That was yes, oh. that was brought up in city council. I could listen to that, like watching. <laughs> 25 city councilors debate whether a cat should wear a leash or not. You can, you're not living until you've like just sat and watched 20 minutes of that during during a during a daytime <laughs> siesta. I know. Well, we're already getting lots of texts in on this. Some of them are we're getting shamed pretty hard in some of these texts for but, feeding pets. Yes, animals. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred. Are you in or are you out on fe- feeding wild animals? Read the Facebook group. Can you read it? It's closer geographically for me. Maybe I can't I'll, tell if this is sarcasm. I, or not. I don't think it is. There's no way it is. Shiva, come see us on Facebook at Squirrels of Oshawa. I feel like that's sarcasm. I don't think it is. <laughs> Squirrels of Oshawa. Yes, this is a thing. Um, the uh, animal attacks. Seagulls, same thing. Seagull, like it's one thing to feed a baby duck. Seagulls are relentless. My my son was scared. It was at the zoo. We, like a guy threw a pizza crust on the ground. Some like two couples were there, and a table over. I'm there with my wife, a three year old, a one year old, and my dad. And five was sitting there, and a guy threw a pizza crust sort of in our direction. It was like he threw off a live grenade. <laughs> like seven seven seagulls then flew right yeah, into my son's fun. eyes, uh, you know, ear space, eye space, uh-huh. and he was like. Ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, okay, it's a five alarm fire. Rick and Mimico sent us a text. He raises a good point. 
I'll happily rat out neighbors feeding animals <laughs> in their backyard if it brings coyotes around. So what do you do then if it's affecting you, right? If your neighbor's harmlessly feeding the animals, it shouldn't bother you. But if they're bringing the coyotes mm-hmm. into your yard, that's a good point. It's so true. It's so the whole rat out and like I, it would take a lot. It was, it, it's one thing if you can talk to a neighbor directly. Like I have great neighbors on either side of me. I, I can't think of the last neighbor feud I've had. I was probably in university and like this couple live older couple live below me, probably in their 40s. They're probably way younger than I am now. And I must have you know played music too loud or stumbled in late at two in the morning and made noise. So he'd knock on the door. He knocked on the door maybe six times that year and, and had a beef with me. And he yeah. just laid, he just laid into me. But what I'd rather you did that than called like a line. We were doing that with, uh, with the pandemic, right? As yeah. if people were, you know, um, excuse me. I don't mean to be a bother, but my neighbor Mavis is having, uh, you know, uh, what looks like her daughter over for tea, and I just—it's uh, not safe. They're they're in the backyard, but I just want—could you send the police? Like I, there were probably those phone calls. And I just thought of this: if the city wants us to stop feeding the animals, then they're going to go into the overflowed garbage that they're not collecting. <laughs> then, then who's at fault? That being said, everyone, that if you do get caught feeding your feeding wildlife in Toronto now, as of April first, uh, you can get a fine for up to three hundred and sixty-five dollars. I said this about eight things in the last two weeks. I want to. I want these to be jury trials, and that's what I want to do jury duty for. <laughs> I don't want just the straight up ticket business. I called the squirrel to the stand. Guy writes, "This could be my next door neighbor." I leave apple cores out for squirrels and rabbits on my property. And it's exactly. You're kind of composting. You're giving them a little something without giving them a lot of something. I like that idea.